My name is Aliyah Abu Hazim. She, her. I'm from the South Side of Chicago, born and bred. I am a woman. I am black. I am a black woman. I am a scholar, community member and leader, survivor, daughter, sister, friend, and companion. I bleed. I feel. I build. I cry. I stand. I fight. I am power. I am body. I am gold. I came up with the idea for this series of critical dialogues from a nexus of complete and utter exhaustion and sheer inspiration and hope. I am tired. Tired because it is 2020 and I still have to explain to well-meaning white folks and even virulent anti-black racists that black lives still matter. I have to explain that in addition to all lives mattering, black thriving, black success, black futures, black hope, black fears, black rage, black frustration, black pain, and black existence in all forms and manifestations still matter. I am tired because I am the token black person in many of the spaces that I occupy. I am the well-spoken and articulate racially ambiguous black girl in my classes. I am the non-threatening black friend in my social circle. I am the passionate yet non-ghetto intellectual on social media. I am convenient, comfortable, and palatable to white people. And I am so over-occupying the margin in their mind and hearts. I have realized that I occupy a small fraction of their care and concern because these white people do not believe that it could ever be me gunned down on the street. Somehow, they have come to think that I am more deserving of life than Ahmaud, Brianna, George, Tony, Ayana, or the countless other black folks that have been killed at the hands of white violence. For these white people, it is easier to write us off as criminals than actually being held accountable to our lives not mattering enough to save or protect. Despite it all, I have witnessed so much black resilience and world reimagining in the last two months alone than in all of my 24 years of life. That has been truly extraordinary given that we're in a moment of precarity and dual pandemics, one being COVID and social distancing, and the other one is one that has been long-standing and deeply seated in our nation's social and economic fabric. And that is virulent anti-black systemic racism marked by police brutality and white supremacy. Ironically, it's taken a quarantine to get white people to take pause long enough to realize the severity of ongoing racism for black people. I have been so awestruck by this. What is it about this particular moment of cumulative disadvantage, black rage, black death, black protests, and yet black uplift that has caused a reckoning of mass proportions? How are black people expected to make peace with the reality that our lives only begin to matter when corporations start to write letters or send emails and postcards standing in solidarity with us? For the companies, our lives only matter as to avoid catching the backlash if they don't. I was born at night, not last night. I refuse to believe that there isn't some degree of strategy in the sudden solidarity black people are gaining that was not present before, despite police brutality and white violence being endemic. Prime example, what about Colin Kaepernick's kneeling? Not against the flag or to challenge patriotism or even to piss off military officials who served our great American country, but to hold this nation accountable to our ongoing plight and struggle as black people. Let's be real, Colin was canceled. It was easy for white people and select veterans to write him off as a privileged black man who was abusing his platform and spewing mismanaged anger and frustration. Now, a cop kneels on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes while three other officers stand by and watch. And because there's a video circulating, the NFL is backtracking to say, hey, maybe Colin was right.
Can you see now why we want Black Lives to Matter? Why we always want them to matter? Don't play yourselves. We don't have it so much better than ever before just because the formal institution of slavery has ended. We are still property in the minds of white people. We do not have open access to intergenerational wealth. We do not have a black economic sector. Remember, that was torn down in the Tulsa race war by white rioters, just FYI. We are mass incarcerated. We are under-resourced. We are undervalued. We are ignored. We are undercompensated. Our, our culture, our black pride, our embodiment, Everything about us is constantly co-opted and appropriated. We are a moving target because our skin is highly melanated. We are tired of being silent about it. And that is what's intensified about this moment. I remind you, we hold over 400 years of bondage on our backs and still manage to smile, show up and be present in white America and complain very little despite the pain of it all. The emotional and physical labor we enact on a daily basis on and offline is palpable. We feel it in our neck, throat, lower back, our hands, our feet, and our shoulders. We hear it ringing in our ears. It haunts us during the rare moments of rest and sleep we're able to manage. Being black is inescapable. It's unavoidable. It does not shield us in the way that privilege protects white people. Our blackness has never been something to hide behind, but something to use to empower and uplift and to now require other people to grow comfortable with. It was through these reflections that I decided it important to showcase and highlight the lived experiences and realities of black people navigating the world as we're living it now. I wanted to show the visceral, painstaking, emotional, imaginative and creative and holistic ways that black people are just surviving despite it all. With that, I wanted to create space for honest reflection, calls to action, narrative and storytelling, coping strategies, as well as mental and physical health and well-being check-ins. This series of critical dialogue serves as an introductory conversation that showcases Black pluralities of existence and being in the world. Under a pluralistic worldview, the world that Black people live in is subjective individualistic and one that is unique and distinct from that of the capital W world spinning around us. Black people are able to create worlds that mirror their lived realities and experiences. This is both an agentic process, but also a call for structural accountability and positive visibility. Our worlds are our own and they need to be explored and investigated as well as uplifted and celebrated. These conversations investigate the worlds of four black identifying people of different gender identities, careers, and that occupy myriad spaces. And responding to two central questions, what is going on in your world how, and how are you doing and feeling? These individuals with using various approaches and praxis investigate the non-universality of blackness and the performance thereof. They also examine the stakes of being black in digital and physical space. These conversations are meant to showcase the dynamism of blackness and underscore its nonlinearity. Blackness, like most racial and gender identities, exists on a spectrum and need to be valued, not targeted. And bringing us to bear on topics of black placemaking under COVID and racial capitalism, reflections on being black and finding things to remain encouraged and uplifted about are explored in these dialogues. These critical dialogues are for all audiences, but especially for black people, 
We need familiar and familial spaces to share our stories openly and candidly, to heal communally and to reflect internally. We also need to grieve and laugh and preserve joy simultaneously. We need all of that, always. That is what these dialogues hope to facilitate for black people across the globe. Please listen openly and enjoy. Thank you. 